any number of times today. This morning when I got here and didn't have any coffee, I went over into the kitchen and Kylie Overing was making coffee, but next to the coffee maker there was one of the carafes one of those tall black carafes, and I took the handle and I pushed it down, believing that when I did so, coffee would come out. It did. When you got up this morning, you probably didn't even think about it. But you had faith that when you turned the key in your car or pressed the button or whatever it is that you do, get your irises scanned or your fingerprint, some of you have fancy cars, you believed that it would start and bring you to church safely and get you home. The get you home part is yet to be determined, but it got you here. You had faith. I had faith when I walked up and had a conversation with someone this morning that they weren't going to punch me in the face. I had faith. Went on the way over here, first thing. I saw Will running across the bridge. That I'd probably see him again after he'd run 17 miles. At 11 o'clock, I figured he'd be here. We all live by faith. And Paul says, faith, hope, and love abide these three. The greatest of these is love. Today, I'm going to look a bit at faith in the coming weeks. We will look also at hope and love. A great definition of faith comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3 as this roll call of faith is being prepared, the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. There's creation theology in Hebrews, and it goes something like this. You can look out there and the world has a maker and that maker of the world has a plan. You and I have the will to either follow that plan or go our own way, but when we embrace that plan, we may enjoy a relationship of intimacy, of closeness, of life-giving love with the maker of all things. The world is created. That creator has a plan. We can embrace that plan. And when we do, we have a relationship with God. There are some things that have to be believed to be seen. And because we believe, we will see. You've probably heard the story of the preacher's kid, a young man who sat down to dinner, and his mother said to him, go wash your hands. You haven't washed your hands. He sort of rolled his eyes and stormed over to the kitchen sink, and as he stormed over to the kitchen sink, he said, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. Jesus. 
It's all I ever hear about in this house, and I've never seen either one. There are some things that have to be believed to be seen, and because we believe, we will see. Hebrews 11.3 that we just read, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. The worlds, the cosmos, all of our planets, our galaxies, and every galaxy, no matter how distant from us, has been made by a sovereign God. So that what has been seen was made from things that are not visible. God, the maker of all that is, is not visible. We did not see the act of creation. And yet here we are, singing great is thy faithfulness, talking about the procession of the seasons, summer and winter and springtime and harvest. By faith, we understand that what we see was made from things that are not visible, that something happened that we didn't bear witness to, that we can see what God has made, and we can somehow know the God who made it all, and we can rejoice in knowledge of Him. Now, had we gone three more verses into Hebrews 11, and we didn't go three more verses into Hebrews 11 because once you get started, it's sort of like a snow, snowball rolling down a hill. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd preach for, from, from a whole chapter of the Bible instead of three verses. We would have seen this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. And so as a people of faith, we are a people who seek God. And we seek God because we recognize that when we seek God, there is something about the relationship that is born from that seeking of God that we can find no place else. God rewards those who seek Him. One of the first facets of faith that I want to talk about is that we are to look for God. The Psalms remind us that the heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmament proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words and yet this voice, this proclamation of God goes out from one end of the world to the other. It is everywhere. It is everywhere if only we will look for God. Several years ago, emergency room doctors began talking about seeing some very strange injuries, mostly caused by cell phones. People texting their friends, and there's an open manhole they fall down into. People walking along the street and running directly into a lamppost. Or people like me, who at a stop sign believes in my heart that the car in front of me has gone, looks down to look at a text message, and, and, and very gently, very gently bumps the car in front of me. 
to the tune of $2,300. Cars are expensive to fix these days. Repairing cars. We spend a lot of time looking. We spend a lot of time tied to our phones and to our televisions. The Bible says if we look for God, we'll find Him. We'll look in the planting of the seed that grows into the stalk that then bears fruit. We'll look for God in the comet, the comet that has last appeared in the Stone Age. Now, somebody told me I've already missed the comet, but I believe that there's one more opportunity when it approaches Mars to be able to see it, either with the naked eye or with a pair of binoculars. Are you looking? For God, are you looking at all of the things that want to take your eyes off of the one who made you and calls to you? Be mine. Be mine. I missed it yesterday. I was in South Carolina. My dad's in the hospital. Uh, He had knee replacement on Tuesday, and by Wednesday morning at 4 a.m., everything had gone sideways. And there is infection of unknown origin uh, there is blood loss of unknown origin and it's been it's been a week of up and down up and down I thank you for your prayers um, yesterday was was good when I left at 1130 uh, this morning is not so good um, but from where I was I was driving west if I had been driving east this big old balloon that's been making its way around the world and across the the United States from Montana down over western Kentucky. Well, this balloon was off the coast of Myrtle Beach. And I was looking west. And everybody else in South Carolina was looking east. My sister saw it get shot down from Lake City, South Carolina, which is about 65 miles from Myrtle Beach. My mom's pastor saw it from the front yard of the church, which is about 45 miles from Myrtle Beach. My uncle in Charlotte, North Carolina, saw it. That's about 175, 200 miles. When something's 65,000 feet in the air, you can see it from a long way off. But I was looking west. If I'd been looking east, I could have seen history. Are you looking for God? Are you searching for God? Do you want to see what God is up to in your life? What God could be up to if only you would surrender. If only you would say, God, I am yours. Do with me whatever you will. Another way that we encounter faith is that we search God's Word. We believe that in God's Word we find the truth about God, the truth about humanity, the truth about how God and humanity interact. I love what John Wesley says. Listen carefully. This is his notes on the New Testament for 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God. And John Wesley says, the Spirit of God not only once inspired those who wrote it, but continually inspires, supernaturally assists 
those that read it with earnest prayer. Hence it is so profitable for doctrine, for instruction of the ignorant and so forth. Search God's Word. As we look to be a people of faith, we believe not only has God left us sacred Scripture, but that as we read and study and prayerfully discern, God will use that Scripture to speak to us even today. The inspiration comes in writing, but the inspiration also comes in prayerfully studying. The inspiration also comes as we seek to be people of faith who believe not only in what we can see, but we believe even in that we can't. As we look to be a people of faith, we search the Scriptures and we seek with all that we can to do God's will. Sometimes the will of God seems out of reach for us. If you've got to be Mother Teresa to do the will of God, I don't have what it takes. If you've got to be John Wesley or even the Apostle Paul, I'm not sure I would have gotten along with either one of those characters if we had been meeting together regularly. They both had very, very strong personalities. I think I would have gotten along with the older Wesley, with 75-year-old Wesley. I'm not sure I'd have gotten along with 25-year-old Wesley. If you've got to be a John Calvin or a John Wesley or Martin Luther to do the will of God, then I'm not sure what I've got to do the will of God. But when Jesus is asked, what is the will of God? They said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? And and listen to Jesus' answer. This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. God's will for us is to believe in Jesus, his Messiah. Which is why, as unfair as it seems, you know the story. The farmer goes early in the morning and he finds people he says come work in my fields and they go and they work in his fields and then he comes back the next time and says come work in my fields and he goes back a third and a fourth time and and finally he goes to the unemployment office at like five o'clock yeah those are the people you want to take in your field And at the end, he pays them all the same thing. And they say, not fair. It's not fair. We who have worked all day get the same amount of the one who worked just a few hours. The will of God is for us to believe in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Which is why on those rare occasions now, Don't misread what I'm going to say next. There are a lot of people who are like, well, I'll wait till I'm near death, and then I'll turn my life around. Well, maybe you'll get that chance. But we're not guaranteed another heartbeat. 
But occasionally, I, I, remember, I remember an 80-year-old guy that I baptized there in, in his home on a hospital bed. Am I a child of God? I've not spent my life living for God. You've done the work of God. This is the work of God. In the last hours or days of this man's life, it was the last hours for him, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent, which is why that deathbed conversion enabled him to do what God intended for him to do. He had done the work of God. And we who are a people of faith walk by faith. When I saw Will this morning at 8.05, he wasn't walking, he was running. When Will sees me at any time, I am walking. I am not running, he was running, not walking. Yeah. So, we, we walk. We walk on this journey of faith. And in this walking, we go step by step, we go... Little by little, we walk by faith. We get all caught up in thinking about things that are big and things that are little. And sometimes I don't think we know what's big and what's little. A man walks down the street and he sees a child selling newspapers for a dollar. The child turns around, there's a couple of newspapers left on the stand, and the man who's well-dressed picks up one and puts it under his sleeve. It's only a dollar in court. It's a small thing, a small amount of money. But that man's heart, that man's character, what does it take to have a heart that would steal from a child? Oh, it looks like a little thing, but it's not a little thing. It's a big thing. One of the 19th century writers laughingly said, the degeneration of your character begins with murder. I love how he says it. If once a man indulges himself in a murder, very soon he will come to think little of robbery. And from robbing, he comes next to drinking and Sabbath breaking. And from that, he becomes incivil and procrastinates. Once begun down this downward path, you never know where you're going to stop. Many a man has dated his ruin from some murder or other that perhaps he thought was small at the time. In a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, we recognize that it is the small things. It is this step-by-step, little-by-little, walking-by-faith. I wonder, I don't know, why some of the people in the class I was ordained with are not pastors anymore. There's about a 40% attrition rate among clergy in the first five to seven years. And I don't know why. For some of them, it's that they don't believe anymore. But for others, it's, you know, they just spend a few weeks without saying their prayers 
or reading the scriptures. For others, it was that they got into a habit that seemed very small to begin with, but that habit just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon, they weren't walking by faith. They weren't taking this step-by-step, little-by-little progression. Soon, they found themselves in a very different place than they intended to be. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The world has a creator And that creator has a plan. And we can embrace that plan or turn our backs on it. We can try to wiggle out of it. But embracing that plan, we can enjoy a relationship with the maker of all things. As a person of faith, look for God. His fingerprints are everywhere. Search God's word. Do God's will. And walk day in, day out. Walk in faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.